Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to the next episode of Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. My brain almost said I'm Krista. It's going well <laughs> over here today. I was really expecting you to say it for unknown reasons. And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I think we're both too tired today. But it's just one of, one of those days. Yeah, um, that's okay. <laughs> anyways, uh, this week we decided to go with some fantasy. It's not usually my top genre, but I also think it's kind of broad, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah agreed sometimes i can like really get into i have to be like in the right mindset and then if i am i will like read an entire series in like three days otherwise i'm like dragging my feet trying to get into it i feel like i have a hard time identifying what is considered fantasy i end up having to like google the book and like what genres it falls into and oftentimes i feel like they fall into a lot of different genres and not just fantasy but i was like well close enough Mm -hmm. yeah that works totally fine totally (laughs) fine um so the book that i picked uh, when I looked into it and Googled fantasy, it if it was fantasy, um, it compared it to Harry Potter, but I'm going to say I didn't feel like it was super Harry Pottery, but I okay. guess you can be the judge if you guys read the book. <laughs> um, so I did The Mysterious Benedict Society by Trenton Lee Stewart. It is a very long book. I'm like, how many pages is it even? I think it's like 500 or so pages, just shy of 500. Uh the gist of this book because wow that's obviously way too much to explain the whole thing and i want there to be some mystery for you if you do decide to read this book um the book is basically about these uh four kids and they're mostly orphans um it's kind of specifically looking for kids that are kind of on their own and they're not necessarily all orphans but they're independent in some way so some of them are like true orphans some of them have run away from home that kind of thing okay um but uh this main the main character is rainy i think his real name is like reynolds but he goes by rainy um he is an orphan so he's like a true orphan unlike necessarily the other children that are part of this book uh he's reading the newspaper one day he's like incredibly smart at his orphanage but they like keep not letting him go to like other specialized schools even though he's seen like advertisements for it and stuff but like apparently you get paid right to keep orphans at your Mm. orphanage and so Mm -hmm. like there's some speculation throughout the book that maybe that's why they didn't want him to leave Um, but they did bring him in like a special tutor so he's like way ahead of everyone else's age I want to say he's like 12 about so they're kind of around the same age as like the kids in Harry Potter so I can see why there was maybe some comparison there yeah that's what I was thinking that and like sort of the orphan a bit and like schoolish Yeah. yeah Yeah, but uh, he's reading the newspaper one day, like he always does with his tutor, and he sees this ad that says, are you a gifted child looking for special opportunities? The first thing that he thought was interesting about this is that it's addressing the kid, right? It's not talking Mm -hmm. about a parent if they have a child who's special. It's literally addressing the kid. So he's very smart, and he figures out, you know, pretty quickly that the people that are the target audience are children who are probably reading the newspaper on their own. So like I said, on their own to some degree. Mm -hmm. Um, he does talk his orphanage into allowing him to go take this test. So basically there's this test that supposedly they can take and it'll allow them entrance into some sort of special school. Um, his tutor like really advocates for him. I really like her. He has like the best connection with her really. Like she's the most stable adult in his life, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so they let him go take this test. Um, 
but it's kind of weird the way that they kind of go about it. It's like part of the test is getting to the building too. Like they don't tell him exactly where he's supposed to go. He's kind of got to figure it out. So like along the way, just to take the test, there's these like obstacles he kind of has to, to get through, which is kind of really interesting. Um, there's like rules too for the test where it's like, you can only bring one pencil and they're like, mostly basic questions once he gets to the test there's all these other kids lined up outside for the testing a lot of them with their parents who are just like oh my kid is so special like they're going to be in this gifted school um and he takes this test and he was like oh that was all like pretty easy like mostly like math geometry uh history just some like basic information right Mm -hmm. so they finished the test um they announce who makes it to the next round. They didn't tell them initially that there's multiple rounds to this test. So that's kind of a surprise to him. So he's a little concerned about that, but he's the only one that makes it to the next round. So they go to the next round of testing and it's a completely different place. He has to figure out where the heck it is, (laughs) which is like, again, part of the test, right? You got to figure out where you're supposed to go, what room you're supposed to get to. And when he figures it out, because there's like other kids lined up outside, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's this girl outside and she's like, tossing her pencil up in the air and keeps dropping it and she drops it down a grate and you're told you're only allowed to bring one pencil right Mm -hmm. and so she's like oh no what am I gonna do and he was like oh well he had he asks questions so it's like rainy's big thing he asks like a lot of questions about everything (laughs) um which makes sense like smart kids usually do you know they want to know all the information Mm -hmm. um so he breaks his pencil in half and he was like here just take this half and then I'll take my half and they'll let me use a sharpener because that was a question that he asked. Okay, mm-hmm. well, we're only allowed to have one pencil, but what if it breaks? And they're like, mm-hmm. yes, you can have a sharpener. Um, so he kind of solves it for this girl and she tells him like, well, thanks for helping me. I have all the answers to this next test. And he was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't really want to cheat, but thanks for that, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, goes into the next testing room. There's the same probably amount of children as there were previously. I think there's probably like 15 to 20 kids in each of the testing sessions. Um, And the girl who said that she had all the answers is just flying through these tests, right? But the questions are incredibly hard. Like he's not even sure he knows the answer to most of them. Like he's having a hard time, like even deciphering what the questions are. I'm not going to lie. When I was reading through, like, cause they like give you a couple examples of what the questions are that are on the second test. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't even read this. <laughs> like, so especially cause it's incredibly long. Right. So he's supposed to just like read it and then circle, circle the answer. So he kind of just starts flying through it, but she finishes like right away. And as she finishes, she like drops this like tiny piece of paper onto his desk like it's the test answers mm. and he's, he's tempted for a second, but then he just like knocks it onto the floor. Cause he's like, no, like if I'm going to be gifted and I'm going to get into a school like this, like I want to do it on my own merit. Yeah. Um, she was a plant basically. I like, was, that was thinking that I was, like, test. I was like, she's another test. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like the test itself isn't really necessarily as important as like some of the the circumstances that they put the kids into for the test. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, he's the only one who passes the test. So they tell him that he's supposed to go. I think that there were only two like physical tests. And then there's like this other room he's supposed to go to, to wait. Uh, two other kids join him. Um, Stinky, who's er, sticky, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I said stinky, my brain, whose actual name is George Washington, but he goes by sticky because he has like one of those super memories where he remembers everything he ever sees. So like a mm. photographic memory and like hears. Uh-huh. So um, that's like his like superpower, I suppose, his exceptionalness. Um, and then Kate. Kate is like, like a gadget girl. 
So she walks around with like a bucket attached to her hip that she like loops around her belt loop and inside of her bucket, she was like, how else do I carry all of the things that I need? She's just got literally everything you could ever think of like in a bucket measurers. So she just like has a really unique kind of like almost an engineering kind of mind in mm-hmm. the way that she problem solves. Um, so it's the three of them in this room and then they send them to go like check in in like the main area or whatever. It was a little confusing if they were changing buildings or not because they keep moving the kids around to different spaces. But mm-hmm. basically once they're done with both those tests and then they're all together, they bring them on to the next phase. Okay. Um, in the next phase, they have like a bunch of like obstacles that they have to pass. Like one of them is like you're in a room and there's uh, like checkered floors and you have to get from the red square to the other red square without touching any of the black or white squares. And each of the kids has, you know, a different logic mechanism that, that they use to problem solve. And so they all have to figure out how to get across. Like Kate, like uses like a pulley system with her bucket. She pulls out a rope and she like flings it across the room. <laughs> and then she like pulls herself across. So she doesn't touch any of the, the black and white checkers, like stinky, like I keep calling him stinky. <laughs> I think maybe in my brain, I did that at one point in the book and then it just stuck. Yeah. Um, sticky. Uh, he like crawls across the room. So, cause your feet can't touch it. Right. That was the mm. whole thing. And so like, that's, that's the way he problem solves it. And then, uh, rainy though, he reads the instructions a few times and then just walks across the room because it said you couldn't touch any of the black and white squares and they were rectangles. Oh. <laughs> so like, it's super interesting the way that each of these kids problem solves. Um, the next like phase of it, there's like a maze that they have to get through. So they have to figure out how to get through the maze. Like some of them do it by luck um, because Sticky has like a really good memory because they make them do it twice basically is the thing. Because they want to see if you figured out how to actually solve the puzzle or if you just got lucky because mm-hmm. it just like leads to a bunch of series of rooms, but it's supposed to lead to a staircase because um, it's like this big house that they bring them to where this maze is. And the maze is like the entrance to the house. And so you have to get to the main staircase in order to get into the house. It's like, um, it's basically like a security system. Mm-hmm. So these kids will have to do it and they do end up getting through it. Kate just like pops open a vent and then crawls through the vents. <laughs> she figured out that there has to be somewhere to go after she did a couple of rooms. Like, mm-hmm. So like, it's just super interesting to see the way that each of these kids like problem solves like so differently. And like, I was like, I don't know if I ever would have thought of any of these things. Yeah, seriously. It was pretty crazy. Um, They get to the end and uh, there are the girl at the beginning who did the the test cheating. Mm -hmm. She's there, but she's no longer wearing this like ridiculous outfit that she was wearing before. And they realize like, she's actually an adult. Like she's not, a she's not a kid, but she was wearing this like ridiculous green wig and like this like puffy dress that's supposed to kind of distract them from realizing how old she is because mm-hmm. they don't want her, them to know that she's a plant. So um, they had already suspected that that was the case because each of them had had this experience in their testing where she tried to get them to cheat. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but they weren't like positive. And so, yeah, she was part of, you know, this whole structure in order to get them through the testing. Um, when they, all three of these kids finished the testing, they said that there's one more that they're waiting on. And so they like get them some food because it's been multiple days of this testing, basically. Like at one point between the tests, it's like overnight where they're having to like find where they're going. Like oh, it's kind of wild. Like I'm like, wow, for these like literal children to have to get through like all of these obstacles kind of a miracle um <laughs> but there's one more that they're waiting on uh so the last uh person is constance and she's like the smallest of the bunch and it's unclear if that 
just means like she's just literally just physically small. I mean, she is physically small, but I don't know if that means she's younger or not. I don't think they said her age, okay. but I think she might be. Um, but she isn't really like them. Like the way she answered questions was like, but why do I need to do that thing? Mm. And like, she didn't want to do the maze. She literally just like pulled food out of her backpack and sat down and was like, this is stupid. And like <laughs> had lunch. So like, I'm not super, it's not really clear at the beginning, like how she fits into this group of like exceptional kids. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she kind of just seems like somebody who just like, doesn't care about rules. <laughs> Cause like one of the test questions is about like, is this a legal move in chess? And she was like, who cares? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. so like, I just love her cause she's like sassy, but <laughs> apparently she's also always sleepy, which <laughs> makes me also think that she's younger. So like, she's kind of like the wild card. I feel like of the bunch. Um, but basically the whole gist is that they've gone through all of this testing to get to be the exceptional children that were selected out of this pool because um, Mr. Benedict, who is the one who orchestrated this whole thing, he is looking to construct a team of children specifically to solve a problem. So one of the questions on um, the testing was like, do you enjoy watching television or do you enjoy listening to the radio? And these children don't really. Mm. So apparently what's happening is that there's like an, like a subliminal message going on on television and radio that Mr. Benedict has identified. And it's like trying to brainwash people. Hmm. So he thinks he knows like where it's coming from. It's this like academy where it's like, I'm pretty sure it was called the Learning Institute for Very Exceptional or something like that, mm -hmm. like live. So Basically, he's been trying for years, he says, to put together a group of children because he needs an entire team of them so that they can all work together using their exceptional skills to help him figure out where this broadcast is coming from, what the end game is, that kind of thing. Mm. So he basically makes them his spies. <laughs> like, that's what this book is about. He, like, puts them through all of this stuff to make them his spies. He, um, because they're mostly children that are on their own, um, and that's what this particular academy is looking for, too. Mm. Um he gets them enrolled in this academy. They have just like a couple of days to work together to kind of get to know each other a little bit. They teach each other Morse code, like <laughs> so they can communicate. So he sends them to this academy and he's like, okay, so you can see like across the bay, because it's kind of on an island. Um, he's like across the bay, this is where I have like a telescope and cameras set up so I can keep an eye on you. And then you'll communicate with me via like flashlight and Morse code every day for like a report. Mm -hmm. So he has them essentially infiltrate this academy <laughs> to figure out what's what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, it gets pretty wild. There is a lot that goes on at this academy that I definitely could see how there's like the brainwashing is happening. There's like different levels of students. So there's like the messengers who are the kids who are actually like doing some of this like subliminal messaging. He like records them and sends it out. But they know so much more information than any of the other students, right? But they're also incredibly smart. So they're passing the tests and they're succeeding where some of the other students who were not necessarily groomed for this basically are. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not as susceptible to the, the level of brainwashing that all the other students are involved in. Um, but the lessons that they're taught, like, because they, with Mr. Benedict, before they go to the academy, get to hear, like, what that subliminal message is. Um, they can see, like, how the lessons are, like, being fed into that subliminal messaging. It's kind of unclear, like, what the point is, necessarily, mm -hmm. until you get further into the book. And I don't want to spoil that for you. But basically, they have 
they'll like in different dorms from each other. And so like Kate will like bring her and Constance through the vents at night so that they can all collaborate and talk about like what information did they learn that day? And they would study together to make sure that everybody was succeeding. They would use Sticky a lot to help. Um, he would like tap Morse code, like with his pencil and stuff to help um, some of the ones who weren't as good with memory retention. Mm. So like they really have to find a way to work together. There's definitely some times where these kids aren't working well together. <laughs> um, and there's some questions about how useful Constance is because she's constantly sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the punishment here is wild. There's like a waiting room that you'll go into that is essentially just like a mud pit and it's dark and there's bugs everywhere. And then like, you don't want to go to the waiting room. So it's super weird, but it's really interesting. Just like the way that it's structured, because I don't think I ever would have thought of anything like this. Mm -hmm. Like, cause there's like recruiters um, that like watch the kids that are supposed to go out and find other um, like exceptional children to bring in, but they're, they're supposedly looking for kids who, are susceptible. And so it's interesting that these four even got in. So I wonder like how Mr. Benedict was able to like convince them to submit them. Mm-hmm. Like other than the fact that they were like kind of orphans essentially, like I don't know what criteria it was that they were looking for. Cause they seem to be pretty selective with who they're bringing in. Um, so one of the other interesting parts about it is that when they get there, they get to see the guy who's in charge, right? Because they want to figure out what's happening here. Um, the guy in charge looks just like Mr. Benedict. Oh, interesting. Like, wears the same outfit. Um, one of the big things with Mr. Benedict is that he is a narcoleptic. And so he has very specific triggers. Like, when he gets really excited, he'll just, like, pass out. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes it's really quick. Sometimes it's long. Um, but, like, he wears this, like, green plaid suit that he said that he's found, like, keeps him calm. And so, like, he doesn't run into, like, as much of the sleeping and then they get there and then there's like Mr. Benedict's twin basically sitting in a wheelchair and they're like so confused. Like, is it Mr. Benedict? Is it not? But he says his name is Mr. Curtin. So the kids are like, have we been duped? Like, did Mr. Mm-hmm. Benedict set all this up? Is it actually him? So there's a lot of like question marks going on. It's just like, who exactly is this guy? But like in the Morse code messaging when they sent that report over, because they they do it really cryptically because like other people could read Morse code. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know. Somebody could see it. Um the like response that they got from Mr. Benedict was like, beware of the Gemini. So like potentially it's like his twin or something, yeah. but it's all very unclear. So uh, I would say it's honestly like m- almost more mystery, but mm-hmm. I can see how it's fantasy because like the subliminal messaging where they want to um, basically do this big push for the great improvement. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they're, call like that's what um, Mr. Curtin calls like what's going to happen so they're trying to figure out what the great improvement is and how to stop it okay so it's very interesting um I'm gonna give it like a four and a half because I think it was a really unique story and I don't think I've really read anything quite like this I will say something about it because it's not like this book that I'm going to compare it to but something about it gives me like wrinkling time vibes okay I was I don't know if it's the writing or yeah, I was getting uh the magician, like um, mm. or yeah, the magicians from like the beginning, like how they have to go into their testing felt kind of yeah. similar, like some similar same kind of concept, like you have to figure out how to get to the test, and then yeah, 
some of them are really easy, some are hard kind of a thing. So just some of the ways that like the kids' brains work and stuff, it just gave me like a wrinkle in time vibe, right? Where they've got mm-hmm. all these kids who are trying to work together and they each have their own special skills and they don't necessarily know that they have these skills. And then it's like, who do we trust? So yeah, there's a lot of things, but I think the magicians, the way that they have the testing is definitely a good description of how that goes at the beginning. So mm-hmm. it was pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that one out. That one sounds really good. It was good. Is, just long. Yeah. Mine is very, very different and was also very long. Um, I did Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. I have no idea if that's how you say this person's name or not. Um, this was actually recommended by one of your husband's friends at your wedding. And I finally oh, got so it funny. and read it. He's like, he went on this whole thing about how great it was. I think he's probably just read it too many times because I didn't find it to be that great, but that's okay. Anyways, so this book starts like kind of in the very beginning, you get like a little rundown of who some of these characters are, which is nice because the author like will literally call people by like four different names, like within one paragraph. So it's really confusing. Basically though, so this book I think is set in like our super future, Mm. not sure, Um. But there's like nine worlds, basically. Um, And then it goes in like your basic one, right? Like one is good, nine is bad. Um, And so we're down on the ninth and we have um, Gideon the ninth or Gideon Nav. And Nav is just a ninth name. Um, So basically how she got there, like, so she's not, wasn't born there. She's an orphan. Um, This woman was like, so the ninth world um, is like where the prison for their like whole place goes like so like bad people go there and so there's like a chute or something that you can go down and so this woman is like falling down a suit and basically like a space suit um and she shows up dead because she had used her entire life support to like go to this child and so like Gideon just is basically like born here Hmm. um and everyone kind of really hates her um and then when the other main character is is uh Harrow Hawk Nanomagus, Nanomagus. I don't know how you said the last one. I was calling her Harrow Hawk the whole time, but at the very end, very, very end of the book, is finally when you get the pronunciation guide on all of these names. I said, Yeah, that's useless to me. I've already sense. I've already made up their names at this point. And like, and the whole thing, like literally in the very end, after you've read, read the whole book, you get pronunciation guides, you figure out how old they are. Because like there's some of them that are calling like the teens. And I'm like, okay, is that 16 or is that 12? Um, and then you get like little things about them and like you learn about like what other oh, houses they're not worlds sorry they're they called houses um so then you like get like a little blurb about like what each of the houses is and this one is like absolutely nothing is known of the ninth house kind of a thing um so there are necromancers in this world now so mm-hmm. like they can um bring people back from the dead kind of like not like back to life but like if you've died they can kind of like get your soul and maybe talk to you and figure out why you died and like they all have like different ways that they do it from what i can tell like so the ninth Mm. house they're bone necromancers and then there's like blood soul other things that i really don't know um this author did a very poor job at world building um it sounds complicated so i can imagine that'd be hard to describe even if you pictured it in your head you know what i mean yeah yeah like and then did a very 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 poor job explaining the magic system like i have absolutely like literally at the very end is finally when it starts telling you about like what these people like what kind of necromancy they use um but at this point it's too late i've already read 450 pages like i don't like 
in so all throughout it's just like it's really hard to figure out um but yeah so there's necromancers and then every necromancer has a cavalier which is like their fighting person and they have to use like a rapier blade and then they use something else in their other hand um nav has been fighting with has been fighting with a two-handed sword her whole life um because like one of the only people that like kind of likes her is like the, this old woman who is like a good battle person mm. um and then let's see Har- so haro hawk is or haro is what's the full name first name anyway she is the reverend daughter so she's the daughter of the king and the queen of the ninth house um king and the queen of the ninth house are dead and she basically reanimated them um and has tricked her entire house and they don't know that they're dead um gideon knows because gideon was like there when this happened and then this guy like crux knows because he's like the head guy um and then like only like a ha- small handful of people and it's all kind of people like in leadership mm-hmm. um gideon in the start of or yeah gideon in the start of the book is trying to like get off like trying to leave this house and she's like finally found she's tried this a bajillion times um but she's finally like this is like the way that it's gonna like work um she like managed to like steal all these papers get all these things to like get this ship to come and it's gonna pick her up um and she's there and she's ready and the only reason that um she even gets found out about this like she literally would have made it but the king undying so he's the first house um he like sent a little thing out to all of the houses and we're like hey i need your necromancer and your cavalier to come to first house um because we need more lectors so lectors are like the super top people so there's like the king undying and then the lectors um and they like don't ever die really um and then and they're like we need more of them because they can die eventually just as it takes a really long time so they've all been dying off and i'm like we need new ones um and so they like had sent this to the ninth house like not even knowing if they were gonna hear back because like nobody has heard from the ninth house in like a long 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 time um and so when they sent that letter they're like oh you can just send your response back with the ship that you've already ordered so that's the only reason Gideon gets found out. Otherwise, she wanted to go to the second house, which is like the warfighter people, or maybe that's the fourth house. This is the thing. I don't it's understand. Confusing. And like, and it's explained so poorly. And it's like, nowhere in here does it like explain ever. It's just like, it's a, it's a known fact. You just, oh, obviously you already know that the fourth house are the fighter people or like the second house or the lieutenants. Like, and I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff. I know nothing. I just started reading your book. I'm 40 pages in. I know nothing. Tell me. Uh, the house is kind of like since you said one is like the top and then ninth is like the lowest is it kind of like districts for hunger games similar yeah but it's all kind of like out in space so there i think that they are technically kind of like little planets out in space like colonies yeah because i think kind of how it happened was like our earth was dying and so the king undying basically like killed the whole earth to create these other earths because like when something dies you can get a lot of power from it to do other things so Mm. like he did that and then from that is how we got all these other ones i really don't know because like i said the world building is just so poorly done in this book um it's also unnecessarily wordy like it's like stephen king wordy i'm like you don't need to over explain that much and then like there's just so many like weird things about it like early in it oh so i guess i should go back to kind of more of the story of what's happening okay so they have thwarted gideon's attempt to get off the planet and like go to the second one because of this and they're like okay like just come back because they like called this like basically big meeting thing um and they're like just come and listen to this and then i'll let you go i promise and she's like well i really don't have a choice sure because she just like right. got the crap beat out of her um because haro can 
um like just like drop bones and like skeletons will just pop up like she can do shit like that like she's very very strong for her age and everything um she's like the best necromancer the ninth has ever produced um and so and they're the the ninth are the protectors of the lost tomb or the locked tomb and so like something is in the tomb that they have to protect kind of the whole thing um and so gideon goes to this and this is where it's announced like they like read the letter from the king undying and that's when it's like oh we want to go um their cavalier the current cavalier is like a total mama's boy and like as soon as she finishes reading the mom is like not my baby not my baby da, 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 da. um and so they like run away basically and like steal the shuttle and like take it away and so now gideon's like well that was my shuttle what am i supposed to do and they're like well come be our cavalier like they're like if you they basically made a deal where haro was like if you pretend and you can pass off being my cavalier like and you have to like you have to use this very specific sword and all these things she's like if you can do that as soon as i become a lector and i'm like done with this dumb test i'll like let you go wherever you want like i'll sign the thing you can go like whatever um this is kind of really gideon's only opportunity like only chance ever to get off to Mm -hmm. be able to get off this world and so she takes it she's like skeptic and like her and haro um grew up together haro's like a year younger than her um but they grew up together and they're the only two kids because something Mm -hmm. happened um before haro was born or like right when yeah before she was born um and when gideon was one that killed like the 200 children that the ninth house had like something happened there was like a bacterial infection or something like that that went around Mm. and wiped out every single kid under from like um six months to the age 18 or 17 yeah so like every single one's gone the only reason gideon um kind of lived was that like everybody hated her because she was like a weird orphan who fell from the sky even the virus hated her yeah well because it was like the little babies got it first and then they kind of like went and shared it and then nobody like nobody was taking care of her spending time with her so um yeah so it's just the two of them so they basically hated each other their whole lives also there's this other stuff that's going on with them but anyway so she agrees um and they like get on the shuttle and it's like an unmanned shuttle um because there's like all these rules about the first planet of like or the first house of like who can go and what can happen and everything like that and there's like no real communication in or out except for like this one little letter um, and they get there and there's this like guy and he calls himself teacher um and he's like there he's like a priest and there's like two other priests he's like head priests that like make first house run and then they have all these skeletons that go around and do stuff um but he's like the only rule is um you cannot open a door without a locked door without permission and so mm. like uh, when they get there harold tells gideon so, like they always like paint their face in like a skull like so it looks like a skull she was like you don't talk like you don't talk to anybody ever about nothing anything ever you don't speak um which a bunch of people are like oh that's kind of cool like because there's like nuns on the ninth house because they're like a whole thing about it um so that's what everybody assumes and so and it actually works out in gideon's favor a lot because like when you don't talk people just kind of feel the silence for you and they just keep blabbering so mm-hmm. she learns all this information but haro like just goes off without her for like days and she's like so finally haro kind of gets herself in trouble gideon has to like talk to save her um but yeah so there's like all these tests that they have to do so like you do a test um and then it gives you a key and then in the key is this room where you can learn more about it and so they all have different theories on like how you become a lector like somebody's like oh we all have to work together somebody's like there's this mega theory 
uh where like once you learn all of the things you'll become a lector so like everybody has a different theory on it like should we work together should we not they start like challenging each other for keys all of this stuff um but like you don't even know what's going on for like half the book like i had no idea what was going on and like so much of it just doesn't make sense so when haro was like oh yeah you're gonna have to pay paint your face up gideon was like thinking to herself like oh great now i'm gonna look like a pizza face absolutely nothing in this book has ever told me that gideon would have one any idea what pizza is two the knowledge or the the people around to make fun of her for having a bunch of acne and then to know to call it that like it doesn't make any sense and there's like a couple other ones like oh she makes like uh that's what she said jokes and i'm like oh so that's why i'm like okay all of this has to be in the future of us like illogical references though yeah but i'm like that's what she said joke made it thousands of years like that's what survived all of this yeah so there's just and it's like multiple things throughout where i'm just like because like the author's like trying to make it funny too like it's very much trying to be like (laughs) and like sometimes like somebody will say something and then i think somebody's like supposed to be saying it like under their breath but it's like smaller font and in parentheses it's a very weird way of writing um interesting I don't know. Yeah, it's like so weird. And like I said, they like call like author like literally within one paragraph um will call people by like four different versions of their name. Um so Harohawk will go by will be listed as Harohawk or Haro or Nanamagus or Reverend Daughter all within one paragraph or like depending it's on like who's frustrating. Talking. Yeah. And so then like and it's like okay, well like I know that who those two people are, like that's okay, but you know, then I get like this other person like the uh necromancer for the sixth house who is sextus something or other what is him master warden palamedes sextus so some people call him sometimes he'll be called master sometimes he'll be called warden sometimes he's sextus sometimes he's palamedes sometimes he's like something else and it's like all through this and i'm like i don't know who you're talking about and like some of these people like there's like corabeth so sometimes it's corabeth and cora or -hmm. like whoever and then they just start calling like there's like two of them that are from i don't i think the fourth house and they're apparently like 12 and 13 or something like that and they just call them the teens i didn't know they were 12 and 13 until i got to the end of the book when i found the pronunciation guide with their ages in it and like the very first pages it breaks down the characters in the house i'm like this is the time that you should have given me the freaking pronunciation guide you should have given me the ages like you should have given me all this information way earlier but i had to constantly go back to the very beginning pages and be like what house is talking right now like who is this what is going on it's like way too it's too confusing i think it's something that like if you read it a bunch of times and there's like two more books in the series so like if you read the series again and again oh boy like sure it would make more sense but like this is like it's like to get to the end of all the notes and all this stuff is like 475 pages and like here's a thing about how like the author is like trying to like make jokes um so like within the pronunciation guides like let's see there's marta dias dias pronounced dias i'm sorry i couldn't come up with anything better or like here's some like other weird ones in here um oh here you go so his name is ortis ortis to rhyme with tortoise unless you pronounce tortoise tortoise in which case it doesn't and it's like which like that yeah sure that's funny in a pronunciation guide but she tries to like put that kind of like weird. weird humor like throughout and it just doesn't i don't know it i'm giving it like a three three and a half like 
That feels once, generous. It sounds so like, complicated. Once I got like to the end and like they were kind of doing more stuff, like it did get cooler. Like okay, but honestly, some people start to die off, and that's when it got easier because there was less characters, less people. Yeah. yeah, like once the people are dying, then it made more sense. It just, I don't think I will be reading the second book anytime soon. I think that's um, fair. I might reread this first one. I didn't like the narrator either, so like. Because I was like, oh, maybe I'll like listen to it. I didn't like the narrator. So yeah, I don't know. It I can see why it has the following that it does, because if it's something where you're re- willing to like really, really take your time and really invest, you know, you might like I can see why people would like it, but not mm-hmm. for me. I it wasn't for me. Yikes. Sounds yeah. complicated. Glad mm-hmm. you powered through so that we could yeah. get a little synopsis. But yeah, yeah, I don't think that'd be for me either. I don't like it when they're overly complicated. Yeah, I felt like a third of the way through, I could have just stopped there and told you about it and been like, probably like now, I mean, I could tell people about the ending and just save you all the time. But like, like, I know how to become a lector. Like, I know what has to happen now. But huh. I don't know. Yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll go with that. That sounds good. <laughs> Uh, hopefully the next one is better though because we're kind of going back to our roots with some nice little horror some summer scaries if you will absolutely can't wait yeah ready and some nice minis coming up um but in the meantime we have we'll be on our socials instagram isn't it past your bedtime same as tiktok and then twitter is iipyb underscore pod and yeah we'll talk to everyone later bye everyone bye